And the power of Jay Skull, who just dropped his notes right when the cameras just got started. Excuse me for a moment. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the power of Jay Skull. And it's that level of professionalism we have here. <laughs> you know why Jason dropped his notes? He's so excited to talk about. Look at my hands. Season five, the first Ooh. seven episodes of the final season of Shira Princess of Power. Yes. Feels like yesterday, I didn't even know the show exists, and here I am, Jason, with you in our penultimate episode in this retrospective series. I know. I can't believe it's almost over. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? And it's, it um, is. But it is, It is. you know, when I will look back at, you know, all the content I've watched over the last five years, this will stand out as one of the massive highlights watermark moments for me in entertainment um this has been completely shifted my perspective on a lot of things to do with animation especially american animation so i'm thrilled we get to talk about the first half of this season yes it is an extraordinary series and an extraordinary season because with season five all bets are off they know the end is coming and they are just going to What's the word? I don't know running. They're in the home yeah, take, I don't Yeah, know. they're taking know swings at every pitch that's pitched to them there. I don't think that's part of running events, but okay. Yeah. That's how <laughs> much I know about sport. Do I, I don't know the terminology. That's, that's why we're not doing a basketball show or a soccer show or any sports show. We're doing Shearer. But before I, uh, we get into it, Jess, I've got to ask you, at this point, would you – anticipating season five like you were right into it you were waiting for this to come out weren't you i was in this i was anticipating this season and dreading this season because i love this show so much whenever they announced season five was going to be the last one i was genuinely sad okay I that was felt... my next question it was announced yes. prior to release correct yes it was that... Yes, it was it was announced. It was all in the marketing that this was going to be the last season. It was all over the internet. And so I was sad because I wasn't ready to say goodbye to these characters because every single one from Adora to Catra to Scorpia to Glimmer to Bo to even Hordak, I just have mm. such an affection for at this point. And you if know, you don't have if you don't have an affection for Hordak, you're about to. <laughs> of course you are. You know? Of course, we are getting um, ahead of ourselves because yeah, we are a little bit. Yet. Yes, we are. But I was thinking that the other day. I was like, man, five seasons, you know, they're such strong characters. I'm shocked that they haven't tried to continue a spin-off or something in that universe. But uh Matt's Probably one of the reasons why this will stand apart as being something very special because it does have a beginning, middle, and end. So it's just um, like Parks and Recreation. It's just like Shit's Creek. It's just like mm. all these other great shows that knew when to end, no, yeah. knows when to end on a high note, and exactly. that's what this this show does. But again, we're not there yet. Not there yet. And you know what? That's probably a good segue. Let's get into the first episode of season five. Horde Prime, Adora, Micah, and the princesses search for a way to fight back and to rescue Glimmer. On Horde Prime's flagship, Catra Schemes. 
Of course she does. That's what Catra does. She schemes. She constantly schemes. And and oh, certainly yes. that's a survival instinct. Let's it put is. it that way. I mean, if that's she's very hyper aware, very intelligent character, and she's hyper aware that she's in danger here. And I think we start to that's in the first couple of episodes, we definitely get a sense of that. Yes, but, definitely knows um, that she isn't that she needs Horde Prime way more than Horde Prime needs her, and you know most other characters would just bumble into that and not know it until the last minute. But not yeah. our girl Catra. Not our girl Catra. She's smart. She's a tactician. She knows she in trouble. Mm, absolutely, and I mean like. You know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things with Catra that if she and she's so fixated on her own, just trying to survive that she allows herself to even not be at her you know most alert at any one time. She kids she can't deal with her own vulnerability and and certainly in that situation you don't want any vulnerability. But absolutely not. But, you know, in the strange of all places, we kind of get that here in this episode. We get to see the first glimpses of Catra realising that maybe she's out of her depth. But before we get there, I wouldn't want to say how this starts. What did you think of the opening of this episode? Because it's a battle scene. We're into it straight away, aren't we? I, I think it's interesting that we started this conversation about Catra's vulnerabilities because, mm. honestly, this entire episode is all about three of our major characters being more vulnerable than they have ever been at any well point said. during this series. Mm. Uh, Adora is without the power of Shira because she had to break the sword in the, in this season finale in, of season four. Mm. And so she is throwing herself into battle sort of like the way that Katra is throwing herself at Horde prime, trying to show her value and her worth. Meanwhile, mm glimmer who is otherwise a very powerful um a very powerful magician is cut off from her power as well she can't teleport yeah. she can't do anything and she is at the mercy of horde prime who yeah. is going to do with her what he will and horde prime is basically a cat who has a new plaything mm. And yeah, while, before the show started, you you made a comment that cats don't really love you; they just kind of use you. That's that's Horde Prime. It's like I have no strong feelings towards you. I'm just going to use you for my my amusement right now, and your your fear is my amusement. Ha 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 ha. He's just so polite over it. That's what... <laughs> he is, and I, honestly, I I know I mentioned this last week or the week before. I watched a comedian one time who said that the quiet people scare him more than the loud people do because Hordak would run up to Adora and say, I'm going to kill you. And she wouldn't even flinch. Horde prime would just walk up to her with his hands behind her back and a sly smile and say, I'm going to kill you. And that's way scarier. Damn right. Yes, absolutely. Now you were talking about um, Adora. Like in that beginning, she's reckless though. This is, is my problem with the beginning. She's so struggling, I think, to deal with the, the the fact that she's not sure. She's in at the beginning of this. She's in denial and throwing herself into situations that could get her killed. And 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 this is what this episode really is about: is her just almost in complete denial of what's happened to her, 
and her friends have to intervene and stop her from not only maybe hurting herself, but hurting the others around her. Um, yeah, it was. I thought a very interesting uh, path to go for her because it, it kind of reminds me of behaviour of someone who's been through something and doesn't know how to deal with it. There's there's trauma and loss attached to losing Shira. Yes, and as we've said before, Adora is not the most socialized person, mostly because of her upbringing. And she has probably never dealt with this kind of personal loss before. She's mm. had it bred and beaten out of her. Mm. And now that she has a moment to catch her breath and think about what she's lost, she can't compute. She just cannot deal with, with a part of her being missing. Yeah, and you know what? This is where Horde Prime comes and plays into this. And he's so, so much far ahead in the way of his planning that he knows that seeing Adora's breakdown was going to be an advantage to him because he shows a clip of that to Glimmer. Yes. And leverages that footage so Glimmer will reveal the secret of the heart of Etheria. And, Etheria. and uh yeah, I thought that was wonderfully executed, you know, is showing Glimmer, who's, like you said, in one of her most vulnerable spots, and going, well, look at your friend, she's about to die. So I'll oh, get and not only I that, but showing Glimmer her dad, because this is yes, the first yes. episode where Glimmer knows that her dad was a, is alive. And I, yeah. honestly, if I was writing this show, I don't think that I would have remembered that Glimmer doesn't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, and oh, it's there's my dad, and then you know people online go plot hole, plot hole. No, they they were on top of it. No, and you know what the instinct I may have written it to go. No, 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 no. If if Dad and Glimmer are gonna meet, we're gonna make that an epic scene. We're gonna hold back until the moment. But again, writers are smarter than I am because to have it revealed like that actually makes it more powerful in my mind because it's it's showing the villain really getting at the core of, of his prey. Absolutely. And using that as kind of leverage. And then that plays out, that anticipation of getting to meet her father plays out in the first half of the season really well. Yes, the, the writers of this show are just crazy good at what they do. Mm, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, you know, this is, it's a hard episode to, I love it, but it's not an episode I would say, oh, this is, you know, one of the funnier episodes because no. we are seeing, like I said, um our main characters at the worst possible position. Now, Bo, I'm trying to remember where, because I've just watched seven episodes in a row. Where's Bo at this moment? Bo, Bo is, is trying to keep Adora from killing herself. That's right. That's, He's also trying him. to keep it together for himself. Now. Yes. Because Bo's not used to this kind of um, responsibility because he's very much the only one really keeping that, everything kind of going together, balancing Adora. And we see that go on and on and on as we keep going through these episodes. Bo has to take a more of a leadership role than I think he's ever had to, yes. to do in this series. So it was wonderfully good. The interaction between Catcher and Glimmer, I really enjoyed. Um, I really uh, enjoyed the kind of back and forth and, and the slight change in dynamics there. Um, which I which 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 I really appreciate. Also, um, the bit at the end when Catra and Horde, their interactions, Jason, are wonderful. Yes, because you see someone so dangerous, so like unpredictable as Catra, 
being so dominated by Horde Prime. Yeah, Horde Prime is not here to play. He nope. he does not need her. Hmm. And I think that that's kind of why Catra starts to form this tentative bond with Glimmer is because she realizes that she's not needed and she goes to what I think is sadly the only friend she has on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And it's absolutely. somebody who hates her guts. And, and, and the other thing is it's starting just a tiny little spark in Catra's head of, you know, knowing that, you know, she's not ready to betray everyone. Her heart's still about Adora, and I think that's the the little spark that's starting to to burn a bit is the fact that she wants to reconnect with Adora. Yes, she that's needs, there. She needs some kind of connection now that all of her connections have been severed. And, and Glimmer represents that direct connection to Adora. Yes, as well. So, so yeah. Now I'm just trying to remember: is the dinner in this episode? I don't think it is. I, but I think it's, I will be yeah. perfectly honest. This is such an overarching story between all it's, of these episodes. It blurs together, but I don't does. think that we have that dinner. I don't, I don't think we have that dinner until episode three, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, all right, we'll go I to that. Could, when we... I could be wrong. I'm sure the yeah. internet will correct me, and you are more than welcome to comment if you wish. <laughs> yes, call me, a, call me an idiot. Please do. <laughs> we're a couple of we're we're not expecting spring chickens anymore. You know we. Uh... We do forget things. Speak country. for yourself. <laughs> I'm at my prime. I'm at my prime. Here we go. Episode two. Let's get into this one. Launch. While Adora takes a much needed rest, Mermista reluctantly leads the princesses into the fright zone so Entraptor can try to trace Horde Prime's signal. <clears throat> now, um, I... This is a bit of a change of pace the second episode. This is more the, I think, the light-hearted comedic episode, um, which I thoroughly, thoroughly loved. Um, the whole Entraptor storyline I love. Um, and I certainly love the whole idea that Adora just needs to sleep. Yes. I, I just, it's, you know, it's quite, I thought, quite amusing. And when we were talking about Bo in that last episode, this episode's example of him taking on the big brother leadership role. You know, he's trying his best to keep everyone away. Adora needs a rest. Yes, and of course, we have more Entrapta and more Mermista, two of my favorite princesses, just in one episode together. And they really have never been featured together before. No, and so and this was mm. fun because Entrapta is easily distracted and she doesn't read emotions and Mermista is just over everything. Mm. And I just love I just love how you start seeing more of what makes these two tick. Because it's... Mermista was is great comedic fodder for the background. Oh, you know, ugh, you know, her catchphrase. I, I love that there's more to her. And even though it's taken four four seasons and an episode to finally get there, I'm glad we're seeing it now. Oh, I agree 100%. And that dynamic of that storyline between the two of them, also I thought it was really important because it's almost like the last wall in the way for her being accepted completely into the princesses is ratifying that relationship. I feel like once that relationship was ratified and there's a – and they're working together. I feel like M. Trapped is very much 
she feels accepted now as part of the yes. group. And where, as she explains, it's some little beautiful little moments when Trapter goes, you know, I'm very good with tech, but I'm not so good with people. And the fact at the end of the episode, I'm jumping ahead a bit, is that she's willing to risk her own life to help her friends gives me Mr. Finally gets to see what she's willing, what really Entrapped is all about. Yes, and I I really enjoyed that monologue by Entrapta because I've said from the beginning, it's always been my take that Entrapta is on the autistic spectrum just because she can't she can't recognize other people's emotions. She doesn't understand them. But like other autistic students that I have had throughout my life, she realizes that there is something not quite right with the way that she sees things. And she can't quite put her finger on it. She's not sure how to fix it, but she wants to fix it. I just, I found that just such an extra air of realism added to a character who's mostly been comedy relief so far. Mm -hmm. I just, Mm -hmm. I love that moment. That's my favorite Entrapta moment. Whenever she says, I'm not, I'm great with technology, but I'm not so great with people. And I thought that if I did this, you would like me. Yeah. Yes, adding that extra line, by the way, what you just said there. Yeah, it was so beautifully done. And and it's a moment of honesty, acceptance, connection. It's a powerful moment in the series in a way because it is very much about Entrapta realising that, you know, that, that she is understood now. She is understood. And, you know... I like the fact that they've done this with a character who they may have done serious in other shows. The fact that she's hilarious and she continues to be hilarious throughout what I've the first half of the season. It's just nice to to have the fact that, you know, she's not you know, a serious character. She's an upy happy character who's doing things unintentionally. Yes. And and because of that <laughs> conflict, they get to have an equal understanding of each other. Beautifully done. So Yes. And of course um, we got it we got a recognize Perfuma in this episode, constantly saving uh entrapped every single chance she gets. You kind oh. of feel that you kind of feel that Bo has taken on the big brother responsibility and Perfuma, poor Perfuma is taking on the mothering role. She just is, trying and to she... save these idiots from just running in and getting themselves blown up. And that ever positive but completely neurotic the personality about her I absolutely love is the fact that constantly is trying to be positive, even though internally she's freaking out. Yes. <laughs> I, just, I think I play <laughs> that just so That's what being well. an adult is like, kids. That's being a parent. Really, yes. too, isn't it? Very being much any, so. Any age over 25, you're like that all the time, just screaming on the inside, yeah. trying to keep it all together. Yeah. We, we've got to go back to the Horde ship at this point and kind of rewind the, the episode back a little bit because what we talked about in the first episode about the connection that starting to form plays out a bit more now between Glimmer and Catra. Yes. Um, and it's done very subtly, you know. Um, they have a confrontation and, you know, Catra's about to walk off and, you know, Glimmer's like, hey, can you stay? And the fact that Catra doesn't really... St- just puts her back to the to the the shield, I suppose. Um, but staying there, I think, was was kind of very honest for Catra. Well, Catra it's the, wants it's the to... one person on the ship who needs her. That's it. That's all it is. She's needed. Yeah, and she well, she latches onto that like she's she's at sea. Somebody just threw her a life a life ring. I think there's more to it 
because of that relationship between Glimmer and Adora. So I think Catra, absolutely, but I even think there's a little bit more there for Catra because I'm a big believer, even at this early point, she's starting to think, I think I've backed the wrong horse here. I'm, I'm a big believer in the hierarchy of needs. Hmm. And uh, if you've ever studied the hierarchy of needs, no, I, th I think that um, she's looking for safety at this point. Right. And safety yeah. for Catra is just somebody who needs her even on the smallest level. Yeah. And so I, and uh, a great respect to your, to your interpretation. I think that there could be something to it. I really don't think that Adora is in her hierarchy of needs right now. I think that it's very mm. base. Just, I just need somebody to mm. want me around. I need to matter to someone. I need to be here. Somebody, mm. somebody needs me. That's it, because this is really and the it first is indicative. I mean, you are yeah. right. I, I think this actually. I think we're both right. I think for me, more but it's a subtextual, yes. unconscious level. It's about Adora. That's what's really behind mm -hmm. it all. But I think from a surface level, it's it, it fits into her survival mechanism, as we spoke about earlier. That you're right. Somebody needs me. I'm there because there's safety in that for me emotionally. I feel a bit more in control what's going on. So, yes, you are right, sir, but we are both right, and we yes, show due to the I'm, death. I'm party. mostly right, yes. I, yes also, I also think that this episode... Of course, you're American. You're always right. Of course I am. <laughs> uh, I, I also think that these two episodes serve to show how much Catra and Adora are alike because both of them have an innate need to be needed and to be useful because that's you know all what? They, that is how they judge their own self-worth. Do you know is, what? That's something useful? that hadn't occurred to me. And you're so right about Adora. It occurred to me about Catra, but not about Adora. But that is exactly what's going on because yes. of her denial and her, her issues with not being Shearer. I think, I don't know if the line was said in this episode or the next, like I said, was blurred before. When, you know, Bo says something. You know, Adora, you're not, yeah, I know, I'm not Shearer. I'm dealing with the consequences. Um, the way she kind of said that, yeah, pretty well much is, yeah, she's struggling with the fact she's not needed as much anymore. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. He said as right. he hit his microphone with his hand. As he headbutted his <laughs> microphone, yeah. Um, so basically this episode ends in rather the beginning of the next three or four episodes, for me at least anyway. Adora in, in space. space. Perfect, perfectly With done. <laughs> With a Traptor. With a Traptor. She gets to go to space first, but we'll talk oh, about that you, later. you, I Spoiler. love a Traptor in space. <laughs> so it's wonderful. the best thing ever. I want that as my ringtone. <laughs> that's a lot of my ringtone. <laughs> and that's in this episode too, because they talk about that. Ah, oh, I get to go to space. If I and, went to space, I'd do anything. <laughs> yeah. And she, they're not convinced. She doesn't know that they're going to take her yet. And Bo... Ask, oh, well, if you do this in Trapped, I can't remember exactly, but in Trapped is reaction. Well, if I can, if I can go to space. And I just, <laughs> just I love that. Even if Trapped like... was smart enough to go, hang on, they need my help. The only way they're getting my help is I'm, I'm on that ship. <laughs> I, I would be like Cartman. If, if I could go to space, I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, oh, just a side note, I've... Saw a couple of South Park clips on my TikTok. My For You page now is just South Park clips. Yeah, you watch a video all the way through, and that's what you're going to be seeing for the next Yeah, week. yeah. I, know. I watched a <laughs> recipe video all the way through, and now I have like 40 recipes saved in my saved videos. Like, so, I'm going to make that. Ooh, you know I'm what I have that. to do? Oh, I'm going to make that. 
I have to find some Shearer clips because I'm very happy for my For You page to be Shearer clips for sure. So we end the end of this episode. We've got most of the princesses staying on Etheria. We have Adora, Bo and Entraptor on the mission to save Glimmer. And that's a pretty pivotal point, I think. Absolutely. And I, so let's I, I guess we're ready into, for the next episode, aren't we? We are as ready as Entraptor is ready to go to space. So <laughs> let's do it. Okay, <laughs> episode three. Here we go. Once it comes up on the screen, Corridors. As Bo, Entraptor and Adora attempt to keep Mara's ship functional, Horde Prime orders Catra to betray Glimmer under threat of a memory wipe. Ooh. Maybe that's what I've had recently, a memory wipe. That's why I struggle with it. That's what things. I need lately. Get rid of some of my <laughs> trauma. I could go so, without remembering the fourth grade. It's pretty damn important Entraptor got on that ship, don't you think? Because yes, because it is a thousand-year-old ship that they literally just dug out of the ground. Is like, let's take this to faith. It's the Millennium Falcon from Empire Strikes Back. It is not working properly. And... Uh, but you know who loves that the most? A Traptor. Of course, if everything she's went all smooth. over it, and she's just she's so much fun in situations like this. She's just uh, ah so pure, so wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, and she gets to have some fun on this ship. And you know what? I'm gonna. It's later on in the episode, but I got to show this shot. This is what we're referencing. <laughs> a Traptor in space. And at what point in space, space she asked space. for a couple of things from Adora. I need this and some rope. <laughs> and she said it earlier in the episode. And then when they show that scene, Adora goes, Oh, so that's what the rope was for. I and love it. This is a throwaway like line, that. but I love it. <laughs> I love throwaway lines that become important later, even if it's just for a joke. Those are the just, best jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to keep talking about Bo again and reinforcing his leadership role because here we see it developing more and more where he's literally the captain of that ship. Yes. He's the only sane one on the ship, yes. <laughs> Who's just full of anxiety at this point. <laughs> which I, just, I shouldn't laugh at poor Bo because I just absolutely adore Bo. But, you know, to see him put to his test and the way he reacts... It's amusing. What can it I is. Say? You know, it's can it's I... Schadenfreude. Even if you love somebody, kind of watching them lose their minds a little bit is fun and cathartic. Yeah, it makes so... you feel better about the complete train wreck that is your life. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Meanwhile, on Horde ship, Catra. She uh, she's starting to. She hasn't changed much. No, but she um, is realizing she... how screwed she is. Well, she leverages information she got from Glimmer yes. and tells Hordak about the attempt to rescue. Um, and, you know, that's when I was just like, well, come on, Catra. Like, I'm on your side to a certain point here. What are you doing at she's this point? She's gasping. She's, she's treading water, she's going desperate. under, and she's desperate. Yeah, 100%. And it's, but it's frustrating to watch, I'll be honest with you. Yes, it is Not, very frustrating, yes. Because you just like catch her, like there's got to be a turning point. I mean, at this point in the series, this is what I'm thinking of watching it. You've only got two ways to go with her. She either dies in this series because she's been that evil or she has to be redeemed. I yes. mean, we're getting to this point in the series because there's only so far you can go. Um, and I was worried when I remember watching this episode going, 
They've really got to deal with this. They've got to deal with this quickly. Not to give it away. Well, they do. But Well, here's, here's my impression. Catra has always been on a scale. Uh, she is she can either go good or bad and it's usually her impulsive decisions is what drives her you know she she betrays adora she she decides to sell somebody out she really only needed as she said that one good act to push her over on the other side and it took four seasons for her to finally do that one good act and i honestly think if she had done that one grand act earlier she probably would have fallen in with the rebels she was almost there in the first season whenever she gives adora back the sword and says go yeah she was almost there and i do think that if she had made that one further decision if adora had asked her catra come with us catra would have went with her and she would have been on the rebels i i love the fact that they don't leave it at the surface level there though with catra jason because a lot through this episode we're getting flashbacks Mm mm-hmm uh, which I think really inform and are the spark of Catra's starting to rethink her position. And I thought they were beautifully done. She's the one, I think they're four or five years old, it looks like. Yes. And we see and Catra baby Catra running. is so friggin' adorable. Oh, my God, right? That. How cute is that? Like, you'd be, the first, if you saw Catra go, how, how, like, She'd claw you up, as she did to poor Adora. She swiped. But yeah. the fact that she'd hit someone and then gone and hide, gone and hid, and she didn't know why she did it, I think really informed the character Absolutely. a lot. Because hasn't, because hasn't that been what Adora, what Catra's been doing during the course of this entire season? She's yeah. hurt somebody that she loves and she's hiding. She's, exactly. Just going back a little bit, last spring mm. – a, a feral cat had kittens underneath our house. Mm-hmm. And one of them was this black cat who was this little, but had fur out to here. Okay. It was the cutest little thing. And whenever we caught it, we picked it up and it was. Yeah. And I was like, you are the most adorable, violent little thing I've ever seen. And I named her Catra. <laughs> and I, I eventually found Catra a home. So Catra does not live with me, but that is, that is Catra right there. Just adorable. Hissy, violent, but if you hug her long enough, she's going to start purring and she's going to be your best friend. Exactly. And And the the thing is, Catra's so tormented by her own behavior, though, even at that young age. Yes. Like, she's hyper aware of what she's doing is wrong. And that's the thing. And this is not someone who's just violently acting out and is not accepting or understanding any of the consequences. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yes. Um, and, and which brings more tragedy to the character because I'm thinking as they're going back and forward with those scenes is this is a girl with lifelong trauma. This isn't an incident when she was 10 or 11. This is something that has been with her from day dot. Like, of course she's at the position. She knows nothing more because she's never been in a situation where she got taught how to handle her own behaviours, what is socially acceptable. So, yeah, beautiful little scenes which just add that extra layer, I thought, of tragedy to Catra. Absolutely. And, of course, to uh, to close out the episode, we get a very exciting rescue scene, which I thought was amazing. With a great moment at the end of it, wasn't yes, it? Yes, very like, much so. The fact that they got to talk to each other, even for the, like that first time, I thought was 
I mean, that's a turning point in the episode too. We keep getting them episode by episode here, but that's a turning point where it changes, doesn't it? Catch yes, it does. does. The good task. She, this this whole season is all about changing dynamics, not even power dynamics, just personal dynamics. Just seem to change with every episode, mm. and it's it's beautiful chaos at this point. Talking about beautiful, the moment when Bo jumps out, yes, to reach for her. Oh, like you got to have a heart of stone not to get a little Absolutely. bit emotional around that because it's it's so powerfully done, and and in that moment where they're all kind of pulled back in together and they're kind of embracing, great stuff, great yes. stuff, yes, you know, um. And you could be fooled, Jason, into thinking the best friend squad is back. But maybe not. not. They're, they're back together, but are they back? Let's find out in episode four, which is Stranded. Forced to land on a desolate planet to replenish the ship's fuel crystals, Adora meets three siblings on the run from Horde Prime. And that description mentioned nothing what I was trying to segue into. Not a thing, no. Not a thing, but really one of the big things about this episode is Bo is not a happy camper and the relationship he's having with Glimmer is very fractured. Bo is pissed. <laughs> you Why actually... do you think Bo is pissed? Why do you really think Bo is pissed here? Because... He's, well, I think that Bo is, and I keep saying this word, but with Bo, I really mean it. Bo is one of the most pure rays of light on this entire show. Mm. And I remember a, a line from Doctor Who, and it's demons run when a good man goes to war. <laughs> you have to really, you have to really hurt Bo for him to be angry. And he is hurt. He is hurt. He's been hurt by his friend of forever because... You know, yeah, there's Bo, Glimmer, and Adora, but for the longest time, there was just Bo and Glimmer. So these two mm -hmm. are lifelong friends. And he has been hurt down to his core. And whenever that happens to somebody, they don't heal on a timetable that is convenient. They heal yeah. on their own timetable. And I think throughout this entire episode, Bo still loves Glimmer, but he's angry with her, and rightfully so. And he does not know how to express this because I think that he knows that Glimmer is... Um, I think that Glimmer knows that he is hurt as well. He knows that she's hurt. And so they're just both hurt at the same time and they cannot reconcile, at least you, not yet. Do you think, for me, I'm thinking, oh, his anger towards it, go, I think, goes back to when she had trouble being a queen. I think it goes right back to then because there's been several incidences, I believe, between... Glimmer and Bo, and Bo that have showed that fracture over time. So I don't think this is a, a media angle at the media situation. I think this is a build-up on a lot of stuff for Bo. Absolutely. You know, we talked about how Catra and Adora are very similar. Mm. Honestly, Catra, Adora, and Glimmer are very similar in many respects because a lot of Glimmer's decisions last season that led to this crisis between her and Bo were born out of desperation. And it was desperation yeah. to be needed and to be the person that she thought everybody else was relying on her to be. Mm. In a sense, Adora and Katra have fallen into that same trap. The only one who hasn't is Bo, and that's why he doesn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not absolutely. saying Bo's not Bo is not wrong for being angry because Bo has Bo is right to be angry. He's right to be hurt. Mm. But at the same time, I I understand why Glimmer did what she did. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, I don't think any of the characters made poor decisions in the moment. They did what they had to do. And that's what's great as well. It's not like anyone's choosing to make, they're trying to do the best thing ever, but the best thing for the situation, but, you know, it's not working out. And so for these consequences are happening, you know, it's no one's real fault is what I'm trying to say. It's just everyone's trying to do the right thing. And it just, it's not working out like that. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's causing like, those conflicts. It's like working with somebody in an office mm. and then that person is promoted to the boss. Mm -hmm. It's hard to maintain a friendship with somebody who is in charge like that. Yeah, it is. It because is. They I've, will make, they will I've make decisions. I've been on both sides of that. Yeah, they will yeah. make decisions and you're just like, what an idiot. What is wrong with it? Does this person not care about us anymore? Yeah. But you know, being in a management position and you know i can speak to that as well it's it's a different world with a different set of decisions exactly it is it absolutely is. and yeah you know sometimes you are a jerk but not all the time no 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 not all the time just most mornings between 9 a.m and midday i was so no, no. <laughs> i like to think i was a good boss i think that was a problem that's why i didn't like being a boss you know because yeah. yeah i hate making those decisions anyway this episode is not in space. This episode is on a planet, Jason. Yes, it is. Uh, because they've run out of fuel. Yes, so, they have. So they need to refuel, and they've found a small planet which apparently can have the source of their fuel, which is just pretty pink crystals is what they're afterwards. It's a long way to get around the fact that we get three characters that Jason got asked a question, have they existed in the Shiri universe before? I was actually looking that up right now because yep, okay. I, I was looking at their names and I was like, oh, I meant to look that up because, you know. Yeah, you looked that up because their well, names I've got are it. Starla, right Tallstar, and Jewelstar. Yes. Okay. The Star Sisters yes. are three sisters that debuted in the Masters of the Universe Classics toy line. It all right. started when an envious sorceress trapped the Star Sisters in a shooting star. It hurled through the galaxy until it crashed on Etheria. They remained in their prison until the day when Swiftwind's hooves accidentally opened the entrance to their prison. After being freed by She-Ra, the Star Sisters formed an alliance with her. Now, obviously, there was a bit of a gender swap with one of them in this episode, yep. but mm -hmm. they were an established um, they were established characters in the toy line before now. But this mm -hmm. was their very first uh, animated appearance. Okay, great. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting. I wondered if they were on the old She-Ra filmation series. Um, I like that. They come against, you know, what I liked about these characters, hey, I thought they were all really good. And yes, the gender swap was a good choice. Again, great representation throughout the series. Um, the fact that, you know, Shira and Glimmer, more importantly, Glimmer, gets to see another perspective. You know, these, these are survivors of a planet that got destroyed by Horde Prime, correct? Yes, yes. So, you know, they're lost. They're just trying to make their way. So I think it was important to Glimmer to see that, you know, other people are going through things too. And the fact that they were able to make a connection and eventually join the rebellion. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was a it was an offshoot episode, wasn't it? It, it felt it, like, okay, you think we're heading here, but we've got to go here first. And yeah, I it was enjoyed a it. Bit of a bit of a Mandalorian type story. Like we want to go here, but we got to do this first before we go there. But yeah. I think that for uh, the characters' journeys it was a necessary episode. And I honestly think for the audience, it was important to see what is going to happen if Hordak wins. Yes. Because to me, that raised the stakes quite a bit. 
Yes. Oh, well, and the stakes are high already. But it's really important for one character indeed, that's Dora. Yes. Because we get the first moment of her becoming Shira again, even if it's for a glimpse, for a for a, a moment. But it's enough to I think shake the game a bit for Adora. You know, the fact that she's holding up that pillar to save her friends, that, you know, it comes out of her. And, uh, yeah, we're starting to go, well, Shira exists. It's not bound by the sword at all. A great moment that Masters of the Universe Revelations ripped off. (laughs) Yes! They did. I'm not going to say they ripped it off, but, you know, the spark was always in me. I was like, oh, just like Shira. (laughs) And, you know, it is a trope. It is a trope. We've seen it many, many times. But it doesn't matter. It's well-earned, far as I'm concerned at this point. You know, and it's necessary to have it by this episode because we are in episode four and we really don't have Shiro. So a third of this series, we don't have the hero. Um, So it's really important we start to get back to that. And I thought it was – I thought it was great. Um. Now, meanwhile, poor Catra. Well, not poor Catra. Catra had made her choice. She's now going to face the consequences of coming up against Horde Prime. Now, you would think the scene would be, you're dead. I'm killing you. You are a pain in the butt. But as Horde kind of insinuates, oh, no, little sister, I have big plans for you. Oh, the whole little sister thing just sends chills up and down. Oh, so creepy, isn't it? No, don't do that. Stop it. But also, again, Hordak, what makes him even creepy? He's sensibly polite. He's saying that to her as as a term of reverence to her. Yes. You know what I mean? In his own twisted thought process. And if you know what's coming, you know it's uh, more foreshadowing than anything else as well. Yes, yes. And I, uh, as we get into that, I'll just say before we get to that episode, I did not see that part coming. I should have, but I didn't. So, I didn't but anyway. see it coming either if it makes you feel better. <laughs> the resolution of this episode is quite important too because we get a level of understanding between Glimmer, Bo and Adora and that comes from Glimmer pushing forward to to get the fuel and risking herself, and her and Bo having to work together. Um, and, and it brings a really sweet moment at the end of the episode where they've kind of, they're, they're reconnecting in the, and Bo says it, the best friend squad. So, yeah. So, so nice. it's very sweet. And and again, from a storytelling perspective, <clears throat> we are at the end of episode four. We need our heroes start to, to get together because they are up against what I consider an impossible task. Because I'm not giving away any spoilers. Even the end of episode seven, I have no idea, Jason, how they overcome Horde Prime. I can't see it. If 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 someone had said to me, "All right, here's the f- you have to write the ending of this," I think I'd really struggle because they put so many almost incredible sized mountain hurdles to to become victorious against Horde Prime. So. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? So, and there's yeah. about to be more more hurdles uh, thrown in front of them, too. And that's, that's the truly scary part is that we have not seen the highest of the hurdles yet. No, we're about to. And I think that's a great segue to push into episode five. Um, save the cat. 
Adora surrenders herself to Horde Prime, hoping to buy time for Entraptor. Um, Bo and Glimmer rescue Catra and hack and hack Horde Prime server. Bit of a spoilery description there, but essentially at the beginning of this episode, or even in the end of the last episode, Glimmer states the fact that Catra saved us. She saved us all. Well, she saved me, but she saved us all. Which means at the beginning of this episode, Adora is going, man, I've got to go back. I, I can't just leave her there. Um, which is really kind of, when you talk about impulsive, it is a kind of selfish act, isn't it? Because the smart thing would be to go, yeah, I appreciate Catra's... The cold-hearted thing would be going, thanks, Catra, I appreciate what you did, yep. but I've got to get back. We're going to um, respect your wishes and not come for you. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I, the fact that Glimmer backs her up is really sweet, I think. I wasn't yeah. sure whether Glimmer would, but she gets it. No matter. I mean, Glimmer's smart enough to know whether I say I'm going to help you or not going to help you, you're going to do it anyway. So I'm going to have to back you. So... Yeah, um, and plus, you know, there there's also the the matter of there is some important hive mind data on Horde Prime ship that they would like to get their hands on. Of course. So it's not a hundred percent selfish. It's like eighty-five percent selfish. Yeah, it's eighty-five percent. But there are definitely benefits to going back to it. That's, it that's that like way. telling your children, uh, yes, I ate the cake in the fridge because I didn't want you eating junk. <laughs> that's, hey man, that excuse yeah. works. It does work. It's like, wow, Daddy loves this. <laughs> yeah, I will take the diabetes hit for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm taking but, all the peanut butter cups out of your trick or treat bag because they may be poisoned. <laughs> Some of the most intense scenes and funniest scenes for me are in this episode. Absolutely, there's so much in this episode. <laughs> it just... is hard to get through, isn't it? So it, I'm going to try my best. It's hysterical. Um, it's scary. It's, it's it's hilarious. It's heartbreaking. This yeah. this is the quintessential emotional roller coaster right here. It is. It is. And I love the infiltration scene. If I can say that, I think that is really cool. I love a good infiltration scene and <laughs> the way they split up and how they were going to do it was great. But I love nothing more than Wrong Hordak. Wrong Hordak. Oh, hello, good sir. How I wish you were in more than just three quarters of a season. Oh, you are just a bright ray of sunshine, the unexpected best friend that I never knew I always wanted. The comedy the relief that so just dominates every scene you are in. Thank you. I mean, let's for existing let's, wrong Hordak. Let's go to the more serious big origins of him though because there was the scene we didn't talk about in the previous episode where Catra believes she's found Hordak yes and I don't know if it was Hordak or not we don't get long enough to spend with them because they are quickly reprogrammed as, as such but, but if you remember it was either in the last episode or the episode before this the mm. very last scene has a Hordak clone pick up that jewel look at it and go Catra? Yes. So Yeah, we yeah, you're right. So in a way, that wasn't the clone then, was it? No, that wasn't Hordak. It's hard to tell with the hive mind. Yeah, it's hard. It to really tell is. I like to think that the one that picked up the jewel and recognized it yes. was Hordak. Yes. I'm hoping that too. But then 
we have this situation again because we find out from that previous one that uh, if you separate a drone from the hive mind, they, like the Borg from Star Trek, get very lost very quickly um, and not, want nothing more but to reconnect to the hive mind. Yes. Which is a very serious kind of approach to what ends up being a very hilarious setup. But because of those rules, the wrong Hordak, when he is disconnected, all he wants to do to get the high mark is easily fooled because Entraptor says a throwaway line, oh, yeah, we can help you get back to the high mind. So he will give his entire life to the person who uh, he Broken. thinks, yeah, Hordak Prime <laughs> reveres. So, like... Yes. It's this weird kind of relationship where he'll do anything he can to, you know, get back to to, to the hive mind, and it's hilarious. It's it's it just it wonderfully so done, and it's like an interesting idea because it seems like a silly idea, but played so well. And Entraptor just absolutely adores it, doesn't it? And yes. it's kind of funny to see that to have Entraptor literally have a sidekick, Hordak. Considering the relationship you she had with Hordak in previous seasons, so yes, the, I love uh, that. And the the relationship between Wrong Hordak and Entrapta just gets more wonderful with every episode as well. They're a great match. They're a great match. You know? I will be honest. Whenever Wrong Hordak first showed up, the, my first watch through, I my <sighs> my first impression was, are we really going to do this? <laughs> and then two episodes in, I'm just like, yes, I'm so glad we did yes. this. I should yeah. really have trusted these writers more. Yeah, yeah, and and, and we kind of said at the beginning of this episode, they're taking big swings here. They're they are going for the fences, and they're they're, they're landing it. They're landing. They, they, it, so. I don't think that there's a single plot that they hit that did not clear the fences. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm seriously thinking. Like I, I. There's not a single episode, a single, a single plot line, a single thread that they did not just completely nail, and it's honestly quite amazing. And, and I'll take that a lot. I'll take that as the absolute truth because this is not the first time watch through. See, my first watch through, you sometimes get intoxicated, intoxicated by the whole experience, and you know, not see the flaws your first way through. But if you're saying someone who's I think seen it more than twice at this point. Like they are nailing everything, plot point, every kind of thread that they pull on has something at the end of it. You know, that's great. It's great because I'm ready to binge watch this again. I'll yes. be honest with you. Once we're finished with this, I'm... I feel like I need to go back and rewatch to see all the cues that I missed the first time on how things interconnect because there's setups I know in season one, season two that pay off several seasons later. Um, and I don't know if I got them all the first time around. Yeah, there there are. I mean, I yeah. I caught them this time watching. Going, oh hey, you know, yeah. That's again. Yeah. They knew exactly where they were going to end the show, and they mm. just went for it. And such quality writing. Yeah. Now Adora throwing herself, um, you know, straight at Horde Prime. It's not a smart plan, but it's a plan. <laughs> it came off as a very desperate plan for me. Yes. But, um, but they kind of had to do what they had to kind of do. But it is, we're getting in Return of the Jedi territory here. The Emperor's Throne Room, this is where we're kind of headed in this episode. And I was down for it because of this reveal, Jason. This, did not see this coming 
I didn't see it come. I know she got a haircut. It, she got a haircut. <laughs> but the fact that they chipped her in my feeble little mind didn't occur to me. So when they chipped her, I'm like, oh, holy crap. Now you have someone who was completely unstable, right? That instability is taken away. She's calm. She's at peace. She's part of the hive mind. But instead of her making her less threatening, it's made her even more dangerous. Yep. And I love that. I love the idea we have an unpredictable, dangerous character who that's taken away, but the byproduct is she's more lethal and dangerous than she's ever been before. Awesome. Again, it's the, it's the calm smile the entire time. Yeah. It is, it, it's just that... That All empty, the way through their fight. That that those empty eyes just staring with complete conviction in what you have been told. There are points um, where Catra's grabbing her or they're <laughs> hugging like a hold. And you know, you know, Dora is pouring a hat at Catra, I know you're in there. And it's just this lethal kind of calmness from Catra. It's right. You know, why don't you join the hide your horde prime? Be at peaks and all that kind of thing. So you have this very emotional resident, like physically they're emotionally connected and emotionally connected, but Catra, man, at any moment, as you can see, she digs the claws in or she yes. takes a swipe and it's – but we're seeing what, – what I do like is – and they set it up really well in this episode. Is that chip that they chip him with the back of the neck is vulnerable to impact. Yes. Um, and that's really important, not just for this episode, but ep uh, the next episode, a couple of episodes as well, um, that there is vulnerability there. Um, and that plays out. And they drag that on. I was, I was going, hurry up, break the chip, break the chip, break the chip. And they kept stretching it. Like there were moments you would get hit and you'd see electrified, but it wasn't breaking it. Um, to that, that cliff face moment. They stole the throne room from Turn of the Jedi. We're getting our Empire Strikes Back <laughs> <laughs> up high moment where she just falls back. And because way they animated it, we don't see the. I'm thinking that's a bottomless pit. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's a service there. So to see her go, I'm like, this is it. This is it. Catch was done. But then you see Adora fly straight afterwards and then go, well, it ain't done. <laughs> We're either having a very tragic end to this series in this episode. You wouldn't have seen it coming, though. You wouldn't have seen it coming. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it triggers something really important. Once they land there, it triggers something really important for Adora, and that's her transformation. To yes. Save and a dying Catra. My goodness, I'm loving the redesign. They finally got rid of the short shorts. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, yes, I love Shira's new design, by the way, and I did notice it pretty in this, and I thought, this is great. Why don't I have this a figure on my shelf now? I know. Somebody explain come to me. on. Come on. Like, you will sell them out immediately. They're wonderfully unique characters that would be awesome as figures i'm dumbfounded why they don't around. tell me oh go get one of those ugly barbie dolls that we made on ebay i don't want them i want a master verse she-ra i want a master verse catra how am i, I gonna even... have a, a barbie size froster i want appropriate size froster yeah, i want... have a skipper size froster yeah <laughs> but it's i want you know 
Yeah, that is a deep cut. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, they have all different shapes and sizes, individual looks and things like that. They've, yeah, I, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Maybe that's the problem, Jace, because with He-Man, it's like they're all they're all roided up the same way. It's really a neck up and a colour problem. They're making Princess of Power, like from the 80s. They're making Princess of Power figures. You know, they've got... They have Frosta right now. They have mm. She-Ra. They have. They do. Uh, they have You're Shadow right. Weaver. Yeah. They have all these great characters from Princess of Power. I want Princesses of Power figures. It's got to well. be a rights thing. It's got to be a rights. Got to be. You know what? Fix it. To fix it because if we can get. There's a rights thing that is actually the only thorn in this series is a, is because of a rights issue mm-hmm. for me, and that is they won't say the word Eternia. When we all know it's attorney, we all know what the first ones they are. They did say attorney. That's the password, remember? Yes, they did. But they never, they did. <laughs> they never it go was. there. But yeah, they, they never, never actually, there. you know, they ain't, Ow. yeah. They never go there or they never really, they say it as a password, but I even think in those characters didn't understand that word meant the first one's home. Yeah. I don't I, think they understood that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just, if we no. can get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield into a MCU Spider-Man movie, we can get She-Ra and the Princesses of Power Masterverse mm. figures. It can. By the happen. way, one of our one of our actually hosts. I'm going to throw this person under the bus. One of our hosts actually commented on the last She-Ra, and that's Nita. Hi, Nita. How are you? And she commented that she loved the show, but she didn't like the art style. I got to say. I love this art style, and I loved it I from do day too. one. I never rubbed up against it, ever. And I know that's been a criticism that other people have brought up. Not for me. In fact, I know He-Man and the Master of the Universe is finished, and if they were to do another animated series, I would have zero problem with that art style being transferred over to a new He-Man animated I would series. love it. I, I, if and, anything, and I want the makers of Shira to now go and make that series, please. Right. If now. anything, I am I am disappointed that they never got to do the crossover they wanted to do, because they they the people who made Shira wanted mm. to do a crossover with the CGI He Man, oh. except they wanted to do it in the style of the uh, Jimmy Neutron and Fairly Odd Parents crossovers, where <laughs> one was two D and the other was three D. So 3D. if they went to Eternia, everybody would be animated in three D. And if they went to Etheria, they would all turn 2D. That's great. And I, I just thought that, that would work. be so wonderful. I, I can't wait to see what, you know, Star Trek does with it, with the, uh, with the Strange decks. New World's Lower Decks Lower crossover. Decks crossover, yeah. Okay, we kind of went off a little bit of a tangent. Let's bring it back. That's here. just us. That's, That's just us. us. Get used to it. This moment. Mm. This moment, Jace. Like... How damn cool and powerful is this moment? I still, at this point, thought Catcher was done for. Yeah. I thought, oh, I can't save her. Oh, no. Yeah, that was a tragedy, I, but no. I seriously thought she was dead. No, and you know what we get to discover, and it comes up in the next episode as well. Shira's got, this version of Shira, man, she's got a whole new set of powers that that she's discovering. Um, and I don't see it as a cheat. I don't see it as a Rise of Skywalker, the Jedi can now do this type of deal. I... I'm down for the fact that she is becoming, it's not like here's a new power to add to a power. No, she's discovering it. She's always had these powers. But this heightened version of Shira, what she is now, loving it. Loving yeah, that. It's like the she, governor has been taken off and mm, she is finally peak Shira. 
She's peak Shearer. And it's, you know, it's a good segue to move into episode six, which is taking control. The team tries to put the ship working and evade Horde's Prime's pursuit. On Etheria, Micah struggles to relate to Frost <laughs> during a mission to Alboron. Oh, man. I'm sorry I laughed because Micah and Frost are in this episode. Love that dynamic. I really love it. Such an honest thing. And as a father, I think we could relate uh, that sometimes we don't automatically get our kids' perspective sometimes. And I love that relationship between him trying to relate with Froster, and it was wonderful. I adopted my oldest whenever she was six years old. Mm-hmm. And I this episode just kind of hits my heart right there because that was me. trying to win over this suspicious little six-year-old who didn't know who I was, didn't, wasn't really sure if she liked me. And I'm just sitting there going, do you like Dora the Explorer? (laughs) No, No. I'm six, not four. (laughs) Get away from me before I get away from me, old man. Yeah. yeah. What's the Wi-Fi password? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it, but it's beautifully executed in it this, is. and it's sweet. It's because so he, wonderful. He's going, let's go get some ice cream, and she got really ice cream, and da da da. But it's really the moment that he goes, no, she just needs positive reinforcement, um, and so he goes, look, you need to defend everybody. That moment of goes, you need to take your power and defend the rest of them, and I think that was that moment where that relationship, he knew. That's how to connect with her, and she garnered respect from him because it was a good idea. So. I'm, I'm not sure if he knew that was how to connect with her. I think that he genuinely was in that leadership role. Oh, you don't put think her, he goes... Put her where he knew she would do the most good, and she respected that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I'll, I'll accept that. I do yeah. think part of him was, like, opportunistic, though. This is like, I mean, this needs to be done, be. and if I do this, this is going to help. So, yeah, I mean, it could very well be. I just, I, I just don't know if Micah would do that in the middle of a combat situation. I just love the, that the opportunity presented itself, and he took full advantage yeah. of it. And and I just love that Micah is still five percent batshit crazy. Yes, he really <laughs> I like is. That. Yeah, I, I enjoy that crazy. as well because you're not gonna get you're not gonna get well from crazy right away. It's just not yeah. gonna happen. It's not going to happen. And the way they animate him and all that, it's just... He, it's he's just, got this weird... He's got this weird Luke Skywalker on Act 2 look. Yes. About him. Like yes. That, is, that is who this is. It's Luke Skywalker at the at the beginning of The Last Jedi. Just yeah. a little bit crazy. And if you don't love that Luke's a bit crazy in that, I don't know, switch this off. Even though it's Star Wars, yeah. if you don't like Last Jedi... The Last Jedi was a masterpiece, and I hope you die mad about it. Uh, the Last Jedi was the final film in the Star Wars saga. It was. It's too bad they never continued it. <laughs> With real tragedy. <laughs> now, what else is going on in this episode is we're back to leadership here, and and I, I kind of like that Bo is really at this point taking, you know, taking control. As I yes. say in this episode. So, a semblance uh, of control. <laughs> a, a semblance of control. So. He's trying. He's trying his hardest. Yeah. I, uh, what about the village of Alberon? How creepy was that? 
super creepy, especially Children since we've the been there vibes. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been there before, and yeah. we know these people, and so it was very scary to see them zombified and chipped and stuff. It was very creepy. You know who was freaked out the most, I think, was Swiftwind. Yes. He was so eager. It's so strange to see Swiftwind genuinely, like, concerned because Swiftwind to me is kind of the hippie of the group. Yeah, yeah. Her, the Perfuma spirit. was set up to be the 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 you know the the hippie, but honestly, it's Swiftwind. Mm. Perfuma became the mom. Swiftwind is still that that fun uncle that just comes and goes as he pleases. Exactly, but it does reveal a very big plot detail that, and I think they may have alluded to it before, but now Horde Prime is taking control of entire villages. Yes, the campaign to distribute all the chips i think is in full effect like a lot of people are getting chipped at this point um, and the fact that it happened without anybody noticing was just perfect it was yeah. the insidious takeover that nobody knew happened until it was too late and 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 you are absolutely forgiven thinking they wouldn't do that because on the surface level poor prime doesn't need to do that no. He has the Amada and the amount of drones to wipe them all out. He does it because it's efficient, and he does it because it's cruel, because cruelty is the point. And the other thing, like the Borg from Star Trek, he absorbs uh, the information and the experiences of those who join the hive mind. So even the most basic villager in its own way... Um, has an advantage that knowledge whatever how small it is is going to be an advantage to the to horde prime so it's also an information gathering exercise too for him which is really great yeah so, it's all strategic but uh, maybe the uh the cruelty is just an added bonus because mm. you know he enjoys it what about um the goofiness of adora being overly attentive to catch her in this episode <laughs> Her hyper need to keep checking on her and, and connecting with her, um, which I kind of loved. I don't know if it's this episode or the next episode where – I think it's the next episode, so I won't kind of get into it. But um, no, it is this episode where we get to see their interactions because we feel at the last episode, Jason, that they are finally connected again now. Adora yes. and Catra are good. No. They're no. not good. <laughs> not at all, which is so honest, is the fact that when Catra comes to, she's gone immediately back into her own psyche, in her own protection mode, which we saw previous episodes. She's gone. She's now hiding in the room, isn't she? Yes, she is. And it's not only that. It's that Catra has essentially been violated. Yeah. And she she doesn't know how to process that either. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a combination of things. It's finding yourself back with, the friend you have betrayed over and over and over again, knowing what Hordak did to her, which was, as I said, a complete violation of her mm. individuality. It's so true. So, you know, you see you see Katra kind of balled up in the bed in the fetal position, mm -hmm. again, not really knowing how to process what has happened to her. Yeah. And, and, and not... then when Adora mentions that, hey, I'll go get entrapped her and things like that, you know, that only reinforces... Her anxiety about taking responsibility for the concept of things that she did. Because Entrapta was a big part of yes. the, the plot for her, you know what I mean? They had that kind of working relationship together and a bond. Um, but obviously circumstances change things where 
Adora finds out that um, – how does she find out again? Sorry, I'm trying to piece together how Adora finds out that they're being tracked. I, I think th- because the ships show up. I think yeah, the so. Ship, the ships show up and then they're like, oh, wait, you know, you're being tracked. and Yeah, so I, we I, have to remove the chip. And yeah. I found that it was very interesting that – Catra really does not come around until she finds herself useful to everyone again because mm. she realizes that, oh, wait, I can hear Hordak's thoughts if you leave this thing in. Mm. And she becomes valuable. Very she becomes, valuable. She be, people need her again. Yeah. And that's what brings her around. Yeah. Again, great storytelling. Great storytelling. Is this the, and again, I'm going to get confused with the next episode. Is this the Shira and the ships? Yes, this is the one yes. where she goes all Voltron out in space. Oh, man. I'm That's like, an incredible, incredible it's so cool. sequence. It's just like, wow, we're we going to this point. But I'm like, yes, we are. And it's freaking incredible. Absolutely. And you can't send She Ra out into space without She Ra doing space stuff. Oh, my God. And she is owning fools. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely. Dun, dun, we get to, dun, I think. Dun, dun, dun. Every now and again, we did the giant sense of her powers. But, man, she's ripping. Ships in half here. Absolutely. She's taking them out. The fact is, she surges up at the end and does this massive way that only clears the path through that asteroid field, but wipes out the rest of those ships. Bravo, bravo! It's it's so good. Do not trifle with Shira. Do not trifle with Shira. And she does the change in front of Catra, doesn't she? She does. And it's funny, and every time see, she changes in front of Catra, Catra is almost spellbound by it. Yeah, in awe of it. Yes. Because so, that's my thing with both this and He-Man. Is like, do the other characters see what we see when they transform? Are they seeing all the sparkly background <laughs> and, the, and the laser you, shooting towards Have you her? noticed she does the exact same <laughs> motions every time she turns into She-Ra? What is with that? <laughs> One of the dancers. Watch the hair. Watch the hair. Watch the hair. Boom. There it goes. Where did all the hair come from? That's right. I'd be on my phone going, I'm going to film the first one. Film the... Now let's overlay it. It's exactly the same. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, there's a lot going on in this episode. I don't feel we're really doing it justice. I mean, we're, we're missing things like Swiftwind, who's been desperately on the planet. Yes. Almost in sadness, wanting to hear something from Adora or Shira gets that moment and he's in joyous raptures going, she's back, she's back, which I really loved. Because with all Swift Wind's kind of blase, hippie, free spirit thing, there's a true love and connection he has with Adora. Oh, absolutely, Shira. absolutely. So that was really sweet, I thought, as well. So... Um, now that energy surge that Shira emits also lets the those town people free, doesn't it? I think that was Swiftwind who did that, wasn't it? Was that Swiftwind that did it? Let me let me see. Shira emits an energy surge which through her connection with Swiftwind. Okay, so yes, so she, it's she Swiftwind emitted it, and then Swiftwind kind of went bleh like that. I don't. He didn't is, exactly go bleh, but he did. But go yeah, bleh. the wave came out of his horn, and it was yes. cool. I was down for that. That was cool. Well, so, so it's really good. But secretly, at the end of this episode, we one of our princesses has been fitted with a mind control chip, Spinnerella. Yes. So, which is kind of a bummer way to end this episode. 
But it was like, nice and sinister, and it's keeping it's, with the whole yeah. changing dynamics in every episode theme that we got going here. So I'm it fine with it. It definitely feels like trust no one. Exactly. That's a deep cut. Anyone who watches our Captain Quadrant show, trust no one. Um, it's the button. Yeah. And we leave, which leads us to the final episode we're talking about this week, and that is episode seven. And that is the perils of Peekaboo. My Mr. Scorpio, Perfumer, and Seahawk go to undercover, underwater, go undercover, underwater, recruit Prince Peekaboo. Natosta notices that Spinnerella is acting strange. Yes. Now, Look. this is again ups, highs, and lows, all in a positive way in this show, in this episode. Let's just deal with the undercover mission. The underwater soiree as such. Anytime we get to see Seahawk again is awesome. Yes, and we get to see so much goodness in this episode because we got Mermista, Seahawk, Scorpia, and Perfuma going undercover. Perfuma filling, uh, just fulfilling her fantasies of being um, an undercover detective. I feel the, like this that whole B story is a homage to where he's at Carmen San Diego. It really kind of is, isn't it? Because visually style, it was so on point. Um, and I love the outfits. I mean, I'm not one for fashion, yeah. but I just <laughs> felt the costumes they got for everyone was a great reflection on all of them. But I've got to bring up, my, one of my favourite characters in the series has been Scorpio because I, yes, I just love the, the voice acting and Lauren Ash is so talented. This girl can sing as well. There's not enough talent, Alec, voice talent, acting talent. She can hold a tune as well, which is not only really impressive, but a hilarious song because of the idea of the song. Yes. Literally telling the audience she's a spy. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliantly done. And I, I absolutely love that. Um, who else was it? Uh, I love the moment with Perfumer when they first mentioned Pika Blue. And she goes, oh, but he can't get back to me about my drum session. I just needed to know how many drums to get. I just love the fact that Perfume is sitting. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. She's just sitting there and she's like, <laughs> yeah, well, you can get back to me about this. I just love that she's got her own internal mental thing going on right there in that moment. So. <laughs> she is slowly losing it, isn't she? She is. And I think the princesses of power have been a good thing for Perfume, but also quite emotionally challenging for Perfume over this series, which has been really great. So, um... Well, we also see, have to mention the other big return in this episode, the most welcome return, in my opinion, mm. was Double Trouble, <laughs> just coming out and, of nowhere. And how they come out, because it's it's a great plot point, too, because we feel, okay, they're going to Underwater Mission, they're going to get Pika Blue. Pika Blue can see... Everywhere, problem solved. But that diversion of no, 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 that's not actually Peekaboo. It's Double Trouble. Mm -hmm. And it was great because we found out what Double Trouble got up to in the meantime. I thought it was wonderful this time re-watching the episode knowing that Double Trouble was Peekaboo. Just picking up on the on the yeah. things that Peekaboo was saying to the others. Just giving them all a reading because Peekaboo already knew them. Yeah. I <laughs> just... I just love that so much. I love Double Trouble. Just they're, Double Trouble they're is so wonderful. Double Trouble is, is really, and I just love her. Just everything about her, even at the end of the episode, where they've kind of, which I'll get into because it's a great end of the episode, 
and leaves on an emotional cliffhanger for me. I'm not happy about where this episode finishes. But the fact is just like, you know, she'll turn around, double trouble. All right, darling, I got your point now. Let's hit it. Just that. She's even in times of stress. Double Trouble's got sass about her. And Absolutely. Personality you just fall in love with, you know. There's, there's only one way out of this. Take me to the stage. <laughs> yes. No, really. Take me to the stage right stage now. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. But, wow, it gets powerful at the end it of that does. episode. Um, and I, I'm going to jump to that and we can talk about where the rest of them are. But essentially... It's Scorpio's sacrifice, and I'm not happy about this. I better not be watching episode eight, and I'm having to deal with something that I'm not ready to deal with, because the fact that she, and man, how powerful is Scorpio, by the way, when she oh, lets loose, incredibly so, yes, incredibly so, and zappy but, zappy claws. But I'm jumping to that bit, but I'm missing the biggest surprise and shock. Did you think, first time you watched it, did you have any idea that Mermister I had been did chipped? not until she shows up in the background and you can't see her eyes because that was that was animated in such a sinister manner. Mm, okay. My first thought was, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Something ain't chipper with this. It's not the princess you want to be chipped in that environment. No, no. Not but someone you know who can control water when you're in an underwater nightclub. It was, and, it, and it's not even just Mermista. That's the spookiest part. Is yeah. That they literally walked into an underground club where everyone was chipped and they did not know it until Hordak was ready to reveal it. Man, and you know what? If anything, this just highlights the, man, like the queen going missing, like the leverage that Horde had to go into that planet and just chip everyone is nuts well um, you know it's to me it's like a virus mm. you know you get one in infected and then they infect two those two infect two those two infect mm. two and next thing you know you've got a million people this who are is chipped. this is the last of us but with the horde prime this is zombie yes. stuff we're getting into really um it's with more fun than fungus but yes yeah yeah but it was it was fantastic you know and i uh Oh, hang on a minute. There's a comment here about Spinnerella, and I forgot about this bit. Chips Micah. Yes. Which is really you, problematic you, for me because I didn't want that to happen because he's such pure of heart. Well, you know, it's it seems like to me it's the most pure people who got corrupted oh. first because you got uh, Natasa, you have um, Scorpia, you have Micah, and in a sense, you know, for all of her put-ons and everything, Mermista is pretty pure herself. Yeah, she is. So they, and, the, the fact that they corrupted the best of them was, yeah. it, it's cruel. As I said, cruelty is the point at this time of the game. And the what I, I thought was also very great, it was the desperate message from Perfuma. Yes. Like, it was desperate. Don't come back. Um, they've set a trap for you. They're gone. They're gone. Like, wow. And that's where the episode's finished. And I can honestly say, Jason, I've not watched a second after the end of this episode. So I have six episodes. Well, I don't know what the hell is coming. I don't know how they get out of this because everything is in the worst possible situation for our heroes right now. And I fear it's only going to get worse before it gets better. 
without spoiling anything, I'm in for a bit of a ride coming up. Mate. You Am are indeed. Mm. Because I I have been watching ahead because I have no self-control. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just reminding myself of what a great... But you've also seen it before, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, but, you know, I wanted to remind myself of just how <laughs> great this final season was. Mm. So, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. But again, with all that trauma, can I just go back to saying how much I love this girl? Oh, the dress is so... And her pipes were so good. Yes. I just love everything about oh, her. So oh. great, so great. So And also another last little moment before we end this off is this moment here, just, just seeing... It's so bizarre to see watching season two or season three and now seeing this. I know. She got a haircut. Well, you've got a (laughs) Traptor and and Catra there working together with Bo and Adora. Wow. Here's what I want to know. Where did Catra get her clothes from? Um... Yeah. Did they just have? Did she just have a spare suit on this ship? I mean, what's yeah. the deal? Where did they get another Catra suit from? I have no idea. Maybe she had some overhead luggage left well, somewhere they know. brought along. Plus, I think it's it's a really great visual um, parallel that Catra has lost some of her armor because she <laughs> no longer wears the the helmet. True. So she is a little is bit this... disarmed. A bit of Samson happening there. Maybe not Samson when she loses her powers, but she's not so the friggin' same adorable though. She's just so she's just yeah. so grumpy all the time. And she, the just, time. just look at her, just oh I'm like Bo every time she does anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh look at her. Well now, Catra being the the really the big name of this first half of the series, it only seemed pertinent, Jason, that we as part of our next segment, and that is casting call, that we tackle the big fish because we're nearly done with this series, I know. and we haven't cast the, uh, 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 we haven't cast Adora, and we haven't cast Catra. So this week we're in our casting call. We are casting Catra uh. in our multi-billion-dollar movie. Now we're going to make we're going to make Avatar two look like a Hallmark movie. That's oh, how much money goodness. they're giving. And us. this is no small order either. I remember it's whenever. I suggested doing Catcher. I'm like, well, we only have two episodes left. We better do Catcher and Adora. And then after I told you that, I was like, who the heck am I going to get to play Catcher? This is, this is, uh, this is, oh. I found it really tough, but I, I may start this one this week, but I had a moment where I was reminded of a performance by a young lady in a, one of my favorite films last year, which I loved. And that was a movie called Bullet Train. And there was a young mm. actress in there playing a, well, playing the daughter of a hitman, but playing a schoolgirl for most of it called Joey King. Oh, yes. So I started thinking about Joey King. And what I loved about her and in some of the roles that she plays is she's got that look of being dangerous, but also very vulnerable at the same time. And I think that's really important. I think I've messaged you. Attitude is a big part, I think, of trying to cast this role. And I think Joey King could take that and really run with it and really emote, especially facially, the internal struggles that Catra go through. So she was my pick for Catra, Jason. And, you know, in Bullet Train, she really did – she was playing both sides there for a while. So, I mean, I can can see that. You mentioned her earlier. I was out grocery shopping and you texted me. I'm like, oh, Joey King. Who the heck is Joey King? And I just forgot about it and kept going. But, yeah, (laughs) great great movie, great actress, yes. Yeah, so she was – and I I did feel proud because I was struggling. I I didn't know. Then you come along – and 
really pick a really great choice too in my mind. Yes, yes. Uh, I chose an actress that I I honestly respect both as a professional and a uh, a woman of color who get who uplifts fellow uh, women of color around her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uses her position and her privilege to to promote other people. And not only that, but every part she plays, she has shown herself to be versatile. She mm-hmm. has shown herself to play characters who are cynical and while at the same time uh, also a little insecure. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's ever played a straight villain, at least not to my knowledge, but mm-hmm. I think that she could easily slide into this role. And that is mm-hmm. why I chose Zendaya. Great choice. And you know what, Jason, if you want to talk about her range as an actor, oh, it's watch incredible. a Spider-Man movie and mm-hmm. then go watch an episode or two of Euphoria. Oh, absolutely. She's, yeah, talk, she's outstanding. And when you talk about being a villain, I have seen that in Euphoria from her. I actually have not seen too much of Euphoria. I've seen a you little really bit sure of it, You really should have, because she much. is obviously she in that show, without spoilers, she's dealing with drug addiction. And we know with all the many facets of drug addiction, being manipulative, being self-serving, being mean is part of that. Um, and she does it so well. She's a great choice because you're right. Is there anything she can't do? I mean, she's a Grammy Award-winning artist. She sings, dances, acts, and is talented at everything. You I don't know, like funny, her now. The she's funny thing is, it it still feels like she's at the beginning of her career. I have no idea and how old she is. She feels like I, she's still I a teenager. Know. She she feels like she's still new. But then I'm yeah, thinking, I'm well, how long has how long has she been on the scene? It's just I just see nothing but greatness in her future. She's 26 especially, years young. Especially after she wins 14 Oscars for playing catcher in her movies. Which she would. She would she be totally amazing. Would. She'd be amazing. But you could slot her in. I could see her as a Moomister. I could see oh, her. She could, she could play Bo. She yes. could play Raz. Oh, she yes. could play Cal if she wanted to. That's the only way I'd have Cal in this movie is if Zendaya came up and said, I really want to be Cal. Then you can be Cal and Cal's yeah, now yeah, the main character. the movie character. is built around Cal now. Um <laughs> But I also love her. She wasn't in a lot, but I think we get to see a lot more in the sequel, Dune. I really loved her before. Oh, yes, she was in Dune for a whole 45 seconds, wasn't she? Yeah, but it's what she represents, and even her (laughs) stillness on screen is a lot. I'm actually preempting that she's going to be wonderful in the sequel later. I'm sure she is. I I have yet to see Zendaya not completely bring it in any role she's been in. How... They got her and Tom Holland in the beginning to see those odd couple be have chemistry on screen. And then obviously in real life, they are still together and it's very sweet and wonderful. But um, yeah, like you've got this rather slender, elegant, but scruffy looking you know, African-American woman who's, you know, attracted to little old nerdy Peter Parker. And it shouldn't make sense, but it works so well. You know what I mean? Yeah. My daughters are all women of color as well, and they are all crazy for Tom Holland. What is it about that little British boy? What is I it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, He's I, like a little pocket pet. You can just kind of. That's it. What do you keep saying? Pocket? I got Tom Holland. They <laughs> keep saying ladies are all only, they only want men that are six foot or taller, but yeah. then you've got a little old Tom Holland's probably no bigger than 5'4, I reckon. Hey, you know, I used to work with a woman, and she was drop dead gorgeous. Mm. I mean, she was she was the most beautiful woman I've ever worked with. Mm. And she told me one time, she said, "Short men are my thing. Short men, I love short men. Mm. You give me a man who's like five three, five four, I'm all over him. 
Ah, I love here, it. If it's you know, I'm now. sitting here six two, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could get my feet cut off. Maybe. <laughs> I can lose my shins in the war. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, that's it. Now, Skeletor's taken a week off this week. He is oh, good. apparently something to deal with over in Turnia, some sort of plan. You think finally he'll get his revenge and run Eternia again? I don't know. I, I yeah, kind of switch yeah, out we'll half wait. the time. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how me. that works out. So. But yeah, that's it, Chase. The next episode that we will be doing will be the finale of the Shira retrospective series. I don't want to go. No. <laughs> but until then, guys, we have a special inter a special extra episode coming out on the power of Jay Skull that's this week. And that is if you watch Star Trek at all, you may know of a and we've had him on our Captain's Quadrant show on the Spectrum Sanctuary channel. Michael Chan is back to be on Power of Dre Skull to talk He-Man, which has been absolutely wonderful. And that episode, we've decided to go back and focus on a character that we haven't even mentioned before then, but an important character, that is Cobra Khan. So that'll be a bonus episode that'll go up with this episode this week, which is wonderful. So I'm really excited about that. That was good fun. But also, if you for some bizarre reason like us and enjoy what we're doing well we've got more stuff for you on their channel and we do a show and it's now a weekly show called the vhs vault where me and jace we go back to the 80s to our decade and we look back at some of those films that we loved when we were growing up and we see if they still hold up now we've got a few episodes coming up um swamp thing was released this week jason that delicious movie from 1982 but coming up this week we have friday the 13th part three in 3d which will be released which spoiler alert i it was a mandela effect is that is that correct usage of that term mandela effect where i thought it was one thing but it was actually something completely different yeah you thought it was good and it was not yes and it was dog shit so <laughs> <laughs> but besides that now, the following couple of episodes of EH Vault would include movies like The Cannonball Run and the hopefully more superior Friday the 13th Part 4. So check out the VHS Vault when you can. Also, guys, if you can, if you like what we're doing, please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. It's not a big deal, but for us who are just trying to still build this channel, means a lot for us. means we can keep doing stuff like this. So, Jason, if you have nothing more to add, I think it's... Time to sign off, sir, with your vocal stylings of the title. Give it away, sir. You have been watching The Power of J-Skull. We'll see you next time, guys. <laughs>